First, I want to say how thrilled I am to be with you all. I have been in and out of this congregation for years, and this is a particularly joyful day to be with you. Our second scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. After a passage like that, it's a little hard to say, thanks be to God. College, I lead a program that's called the Bonner Scholar Program, where students have to do about 10 hours of community service every single week in order to keep a pretty generous scholarship to the college. And so, and there's 60 of these students, right? So every single Monday, my colleague goes in and checks how many hours every single Bonner Scholar has logged and and if they were at the appropriate service site the right amount of time. As you can imagine them being college students, some of them fall behind. And we have an elaborate series of encouragements to keep them on track, but if they continue to get behind, they enter a state of what we call high alert. That means exactly what it says. The student and the staff know that there is danger ahead. If the student doesn't correct course quickly, they will lose their scholarships and chances are they won't be able to come back to school. Now, we tell them, I'm not sure if they believe it, but we tell them that high alert is not a cause for panic. 
Rather, it's an opportunity to pay attention. We meet weekly with the student to look physically at their planner and to chart a course of action. We try to spot patterns where something good is happening or something reliable is happening and then build on that. Do you drink coffee every single morning? How about pairing a little math homework with that? You take a nap every single day after class? How about heading over to the Boys and Girls Club instead? Working out with the kids would probably revive you just as much. We pair the student with a partner who has a bit more experience in college and in time management. We check in frequently with the site supervisor to check on their progress. If all goes well, by the end of the semester, the hours are made up, new habits are formed, the student is on track for success. If not, at the end of the semester, another student gets to take their slot in the program. It is a lot of work to be on high alert. But doesn't it feel like all of us collectively have been on high alert for the last year and a half? You can make your own list about high alert. Of course, we'd all start with the pandemic, the worry about getting sick, the uncertainty about how serious all this is, the endless decisions you have to make every day about do we get together with our friends, do we take that trip, the constant monitoring of the websites with case numbers, calculating distance, we all know what six feet is now, what's the danger, what are the variants, what are the symptoms? Not to mention the political and the personal family rifts that have made navigating it all so complicated. A few days ago, my husband got up worried about the congestion in his throat, the cough that had kept him up at night. In any other year, we have, would have just blamed it on the leaves falling and the allergies but we were instantly on high alert until he finally went for a COVID test, which of course was negative, but which somehow didn't make us relax. You know what high alert feels like. Maybe you watch the news of trials. Kyle Rittenhouse a couple of weeks ago, Amar to Aubrey's killers this week. And then when the verdicts come in, we wonder if the protests will turn violent. Or maybe you're on high alert about the economy. Will inflation keep climbing? Will wages go up? Will the stock market keep going down? Or our kids, too much time online? How much is that really? Not enough exercise? They seem off today. Is that growing pains or depression? We watch them, high alert. And unlike high alert in the Bonner program, which only lasts for a semester, 
These states of anxiety go on and on, seemingly without a point of relief, when we know the danger will have passed. I've been thinking about you all the last two years, that time that you have been on high alert as a congregation. Not just because of all these other things, but any time that you're between ministers, no matter how expertly you are led by your wonderful staff, you can't help but be a little edgy about what will happen. Will the search committee get along with each other? Will they find the right person? Will they be able to convince the congregation to trust the person they bring? And after the process of matching and interviewing and reference checking is over, will this marriage succeed? As you all get to know each other beneath the information forms and beneath the first impressions, will you find ways to love one another deeply? Will you find ways to grow and to bring others in? Can we breathe yet, you may be wondering. Now that Mark is here and being installed, can we put the adrenaline on hold for just a minute and relax? Yes, you can. And no. <laughs> know if scheduling Mark's installation for today was a good idea or not. On the one hand, the first Sunday of Advent is New Year's Day on the Christian calendar. It's all about anticipating what God is about to do, looking to the future together. On the other hand, the first Sunday of Advent does obligate us to say loud and clear that no, Mark Curtis is not the Messiah coming on a cloud. <laughs> He's not going to rescue you. He's not, as much as we wish, the hero with the dramatic music behind him brandishing his sword to save the day. And also, the first Sunday of Advent always gives us this weird assortment of texts that are all about the world being on high alert. This high alert, according to Jesus, is not an unnecessary panic. It comes for very good reasons. Jesus says the world should be on high alert because the world is coming apart at the seams because climate disaster and human conflict and all manner of destruction are out of control. It's not exactly cheerful or relaxing as a Sunday. Reading the gospel text for this week is like reading the front page of the New York Times, which these days I just glance at quickly on my way to the crossword puzzle. Jesus is describing a world in an adrenaline rush that will not quit. One that we all know eventually tears you up. 
not just from the outside, like earthquake, fire, and flood, and war, but that tears at you from the inside, from high blood pressure, and anxiety, and lack of sleep. Jesus says people will faint. They will lose their breath, is what that word means, from fear and foreboding for what is to happen in the world. Yeah, pretty much. In other words, Advent begins as you all begin this new chapter of ministry, exactly where we are in a world that feels fragile and dangerous and where we are all on high alert. Yes, we stop today to celebrate, but that doesn't make everything that is scary go away. Fortunately, Jesus has some wise words for us in this moment of new start and of high alert. I think his words can help you all navigate this time together and even thrive in it. He begins by telling us what not to do. Always helpful. And this is a verse that I am going to share with my students this week. He says, be on guard that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. Jesus is pointing here not to the external dangers, but to what can happen to us on the inside, both as individuals and as a church. He reminds us of three dangers, of how easy it is to be dissipated, how easy it is to be deluded. Y'all know this, maybe. So distracted by everything that there is to do, by all the problems that are looming before us, that we don't do anything, that our energy just evaporates. Or maybe we want to just numb ourselves out to what is going on around us through food or drugs or alcohol or simply through pretending, closing our doors, playing our music, shutting the world out. And finally, there's the danger of letting our hearts be weighed down with the worries of this life a gloom that enshrouds us and makes it nearly impossible to move forward. If we give in to any of these challenges, dilution or denial or depression, we will be trapped and never get anywhere but where we are right now. Instead, Jesus says, Be on high alert for what God is doing unexpectedly in the midst of it all. He says, you know how to watch for buds on a tree promising that spring is coming. Watch for signs of growth 
of what God is doing in your midst. Find something positive and build on it. Friends, this is what the church must do in times of high alert. Think about this. You all live all over the city of Knoxville. All week long, each one of you fans out into this city in homes and schools, in businesses and medical practices and places of government. All of you, everywhere, you witness how broken it all is. You see how much on high alert almost everyone is. You are like explorers. You collect stories. You pick up artifacts. Maybe a shell. Maybe a rock. Maybe a piece of art. Maybe a tree just beginning to bud. And then each week, you come back here. You open your backpacks with everything you have collected. You open your hearts with everything you have heard. And you say to one another, look at what I found. I saw God working for healing among those who thought there was no way out. I heard Christ say a word of encouragement to someone in despair. You say to one another, not all is lost. And then in this place, in these walls, you train each other each week in what signs to look for, what gestures to offer, to help folks hold on. You build on those small things. Maybe you find people who are in such pain that they have to numb themselves any way they can. You stay with them until they know they don't have to face the demons alone. Maybe you catch yourself wanting to do everything at once, thinning out your efforts in a frenzy. You come back here, you remind each other you are not the Savior. You are the witnesses. You focus, you go out another week. You listen to someone who's spiraling down in the worries of the day, trapped with no way out. You take out your compass. You point to a path. Stand up, you say. Look, there is a sign of hope on the horizon. And there's another and another. You witness to the one who is coming. Friends, Mark 
with Meredith and the rest of your leaders will be an excellent guide and partner in this work. More than almost anyone I know, Mark knows how to look closely and to listen carefully to people and to communities as they reveal what is growing there. Mark doesn't need to be Indiana Jones storming his way until he finds the treasure. He pays attention. He collects signs of life. He spots buds you may not have noticed. And then he shares what he has seen. He then invites you to go out and to find what God is doing and to report. And then together, gradually, you all will draw a map of the territory. You will plot each point of hope. You will connect them all together until what had seemed awful and frightening and full of doom begins gradually to burst with life. Friends, your motto right up there in the sanctuary is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. I know that it is etched into all your hearts. It is what guided the search committee as they trusted that through this crazy process, God would provide the next leader for your church. We must remember that that line in the Bible comes from a bleak time when Abraham wondered if the God he served would demand even Abraham's own son, whether the future in Isaac would come to nothing. There didn't seem to be a way out. He was on high alert. But then, you know the story. Abram lifted his head. He saw movement in a thicket. He found a ram, and Isaac's life went on. God provided a way where Abraham saw no way. God appeared in the middle of high alert. Friends, the God who provides the buds on the fig tree will keep providing signs of growth, will keep offering the promise of new life. Our job is to pay attention and to build on what God has started. God has started an exciting thing here. I look forward to watching all of you grow together. May it be so for all of us. Amen.